Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Notching two triple doubles and guiding the Los Angeles Lakers to Summer League Championship game. Lonzo Ball is the first ever Laker to be named NBA Summer League MVP. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy, where what better way to usher in a forthcoming NBA championship headlined by LeBron James and Paul George in just a year from now than by winning a summer league championship led by some of our newest young guns. We are the champions. We back. We out here. Tommy, were you at the Lakers summer league championship parade right down Baldwin Avenue in Arcadia past Din Tai Fung Garden Cafe and Tasty Garden this past week? Very uh, specific location, and I was not, unfortunately, but I should have been there. Yeah, you should have been there because, you know, because it's the Summer League Championship Parade, they had to scale it down a bit and pick a smaller and shorter route. And, you know, naturally picked Arcadia as the place to do it amidst the peacocks, boba, and Asian people, right? I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. And and, and to be clear, you and I used to march down that exact same route <laughs> With the Arcadia High School <laughs> Apache Marching Band and Color Guard. So it was cool to see the Lakers Summer League Championship float go on by down there as well. So yeah, so we are the champions. Summer League is all wrapped up. The Lakers are the champs. Lonzo Ball was Summer League MVP. Kyle Kuzma led everyone in Summer League in scoring and also is the Finals Championship MVP. And we're here to wrap it all up in a nice purple and gold bow. But first, Tommy, how does it feel being back on top? Give me a quick two to three general thesis statement on your thoughts of summer league. And obviously we'll go into more detail down the line. Uh, so summer league is always this weird balance of how much, how seriously do we take this? And I think it's like in, in years that we lose or years that any team loses really, or doesn't perform well in summer league, you could easily write it off as, well, it's just summer league. And then on the other hand, when your team actually does do well, when do you start to feel excited about it? And I think to me, the summer league was not just excited. I mean, winning the championship is great and it's great to just have like positive connotations associated with the team again. But the summer league was most encouraging to me because of the, uh, the style with 
the way that the coaching staff was able to impose the style that they want to run on this ragtag group of guys that, you know, some of them have guaranteed contracts, but most of them are just playing for a spot on an NBA team. And to get these guys to all buy into this system in such a short amount of time, that's to me the big thing uh, that Summer League was great for was to to show how guys uh, bought into everything. Yeah, for sure. And it didn't hurt to have like a tangible example of that in a Summer League Championship trophy as well to kind of reward them for that play. So it was really cool. So yeah, before we get on with our show, we're going to start with Lakers news first, go through that, and then obviously go through Tommy's thoughts, more detailed thoughts on Summer League, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma especially. But before we do that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more biblical analogies Rob Palinka will grace us with upon introducing a new Lakers signing. So can you imagine what will happen when Palinka has to introduce LeBron James and Paul George next year at the same time? I can, I can see it now. I'm sure you're familiar with the New Testament, right, Tommy? I am. So, well, if you look back on those books chronicling the life of Jesus Christ, I almost see Paul George as John the Baptist helping pave the way for the one true king, LeBron James. Someone who shall wash away the sins of the last five years in Lakers land and give us the greatest gift of all. Another banner, something we did not deserve in the first place. I mean, that's probably how he'll introduce them, right? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if you want to see more of that fun type of rhetoric from Palinka, please rate and review us on iTunes. Always very entertaining. We are on a quest to hit 200 ratings and reviews before summer ends, so please help us hit that mark. We are currently at 178, so you have nothing better to do, so please give us a five-star rating and review. And since we're already here, I thought we could just cover, yeah, general Lakers news first, and yeah, let's talk about KCP's Mana from Heaven press conference. Um, So I crunched the analytics and numbers on KCP's QWPS. Do you know what that stands for? No idea. It stands for quality words per second. And I have to say, neither the ear test or the data look very promising when it comes to KCP. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a quiet guy. I will cut the guy some slack since it just seemed he was a bit nervous. And he has looked more candid and more like himself in the personal videos that he posts on his account. So I'll cut him some slack. But yeah, I can honestly say I didn't personally get anything from him, from his actual sayings. But Magic and Palenka did say a lot. So, Tommy, what did you think of the KCP press conference? And did you come away with anything from anything Magic and Palenka said? Nothing specifically that they said, um, but just the general vibe of it. I'm starting to like, I think we're starting to feel uh, see a very clear trend here. Um, And this is something that Palenka and Magic, I think, took very seriously from day one is just reinventing the eye reinventing the Lakers image in the eyes of everybody. So the media, the rest of the league, everybody and agents, um, is, which is an important one. Um, so the way that Rob Polinka describes these guys so consistently, <laughs> I mean, Brooke Lopez, I think even said something during his, like, he's never had anyone say like all the A's, like he, even he couldn't believe like the things, uh, Polinka was saying about him. Um, so I think that that kind of stuff is only going to help the Lakers moving forward. And, and yeah, nothing specifically about KCP, but I just wanted to generally comment on how I think that that was pretty cool that Palenka has continued with that trend. And, and uh, I think it, it can't, it definitely cannot hurt. So. Yeah, for sure. I think there were some concrete things that they did said that kind of lends to what they're about to do. And I guess also retroactively helps us look at how this KCP 
deal came about. Palinka admitted that Rich Paul actually reached out to him first and said, look, we know that you guys are being very careful with the cap space next year, and we still want to talk with you guys to see if we can work things out. Um, Magic also mentioned that in the next week, they hope to sign one to two free agents to close out their roster. And he actually prefers that the, one of those guys is going to be a veteran backup point guard. So with those said, did any of those kind of just uh, pique your interest or inform you a little bit more about what the Lakers are doing? I mean, I think the two, one or two signings and getting a veteran backup point guard, I think all that stuff is obvious. The one to one and a half weeks thing I thought was kind of an aggressive timeline because it also shows you that this front office is, it's not quite Mitch and Jim level where for years we would just sit around and it would be like, you would never, you, it was as if they weren't doing anything. And then all of a sudden a guy was signed. I think like this front office is trying to strike a balance a little bit between keeping the media, um, you know, apprised of everything or not everything, but keeping the media apprised of more things that are going on so that the media can help them in other ways. So the one to one and a half week thing I thought was really specific. And that's something that, you know, maybe old, the old regime wouldn't have done, but I like to see that they're being aggressive. And, um, I think being aggressive is sort of the theme of, of a lot of, uh, what I think they're going to try to do moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, with regards to the Rich Paul thing, is there anything we should read into regarding the fact that he reached out to Palinka and they openly spoke about the cap space next year? Because we are also learning now that the Lakers are also aggressively going to look at Dwayne Wade as a potential option right. to almost kind of like clear the way for LeBron James by hitting up all of his favorite pals, whether it's actual players or players within his own, you know, agency and organization, Rich Paul being his agent as well as KCPs. And the Lakers really, I guess, treading a fine line here of how to just ease LeBron in very easily and uh, doing all this to call up favor. So yeah, is there something to read here about them trying to strike a deal fast with Rich Paul and Rich Paul even saying something like, and we don't want to read too much into it, but would it be too out of the question if he's if he says like, hey, do my client a favor whether or not he's here for one or two years and this will go a long way and, you know, helping kind of grease the wheels for LeBron. And And that's the thing. I think that's a good point, right? But it's never like, I, I think people like to use the word collusion or like tampering a lot nowadays in, in really broad senses, but Palinka, again, to get back to his point that he keeps making, he wants to make the Lakers a star number one type of organization in the eyes of everybody. And that includes agents because as an agent, he knows how much perception of teams um, among players and among agents too, because agents are advising players in a lot of cases. So how much the uh, perception of teams makes a difference for those populations. And if he can put, put himself in a situation where like, look, just like, look at how well this guy played this. Okay. In my opinion, everyone in the world knows that LeBron's a free agent next summer. And based on reports of our, it's not like for sure he's going to go anywhere, but it seems like things aren't going super, super well with the Cavs. So KCP unexpectedly becomes a free agent. There were not that many teams out there that could have offered KCP a contract. Okay. It's, we ran through the numbers. I think we even posted them on the, uh, posted them on the Twitter at some point. There were six teams that had the cap space to sign KCP. Like three of those teams have young shooting guards. Like Chicago has Zach Levine, Phoenix had cap space. They have Devin Booker. 
actually Sacramento didn't. There were some other teams, but they all have guards. Um, there was like two teams that needed a shooting guard, us and Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was arguable that, you know, how much are they going to offer uh, even on a one-year contract to it. And, and for them, it's like, why even do a one-year contract at that point? So my whole point with all this is the guy becomes available at an unexpected time when a lot of teams have already spent their cap space. And not only do you still go in with the max that your team can offer, but you waive a guy to get an extra 500000 to go even higher than it appeared on paper that you were able to go just to get this guy. Like... Those sorts of gestures make a big difference for players and for agents too. The agent knows they didn't have to waive David Nwaba, but they waived David Nwaba right. to get this guy an extra $500,000. And guess what? He got picked up by another team. So yeah. they were willing to do all that just to make the best possible offer that they could reasonably make on a one-year deal um, to show him like, this is how much we want you. And that kind of stuff is... It makes a difference. And so now, like, KCP is here. That's a Rich Paul client. LeBron even tweeted, like, congrats to him. Like, these guys stay pretty <laughs> close. So they all know each other. And, like, now KCP is going to hear about how well things went this year. And hopefully we do better than expected. So it creates some, like, positive vibes around the locker room. And, you know, KCP is going to be starting. He's probably going to have a career year given the kind of offense we're trying to play and given his skill set. So... Yeah, this it's Palinka has just like played this so so beautifully, and and this kind of thing could only help us in the future uh, when Rich Paul starts talking to LeBron about what's next. Yeah, and if he continues to make moves like this, he can mention manna from heaven and other biblical biblical references as many times as he wants to. Um, and I guess exactly. the only the only other thing with regards to KCP and his actual on court play that I got was Magic and and even KCP admitting that. Pope should help Lonzo Ball and others out and allow them to get and give them the freedom to do what Lonzo Ball excels at best, you know, being a defensive backup for him and helping alleviate him in that respect, but also being a great partner in transition by running the lanes and also running the wings so that he has a guy to pitch out to for those open threes. So that was very encouraging to hear. I guess the last other topic on this same segment is what about the Dwayne Wade angle? Because Woj just reported that, you know, the Lakers said that in the event that Dwayne Wade gets a buyout from the Bulls, or even in the event that they can trade some people, maybe it was a Jordan Clarkson Luau Dang package that we offered to the Bulls, or a Jordan Clarkson Julius Randle package, or maybe even a Julius Randle and Luau Dang package for for one year of Dwayne Wade, just so we have LeBron's buddy already on board, that the Lakers exactly. were prepared to do that. Um, unfortunately, no buyout has happened, and I think the KCP thing, which we already mentioned, came up unexpectedly. So the Lakers kind of pivoted that direction and focused in on that. And so I guess, do you think that, I mean, look, the deal could still be done. We could still bring in Dwayne Wade, but I guess, how do you see the fit of that working out? And do you think a trade would be even amenable for, for both teams at this point? Or are the Lakers just going to be satisfied that they got KCP? Yeah. So I, th- I mean, look, I think it's a good question. I think, um, it's going to take both sides coming to terms with what the best, you know, coming to a middle ground. Um, I don't think necessarily that just because we got KCP now, that's it. And we're like content with where we stand. I think if you have a chance to get Dwayne Wade, who earlier this summer, when there were talks about whether or not he's going to opt in, he had said uh, publicly, like, I'm open to the idea of coming off the bench. Um, 
he opted into his contract for one reason and he tweeted it, I think like right after he did it or like, you know, people were talking mm-hmm. about it right away. Maybe it wasn't him, but other people were quoting him as, you know, his rationale for opting in and it's cause he wants the money. I think the bulls given like how stingy and, and, uh, and tough, I guess is the right, I don't know if that's the right word, but their front office's reputation. Um, I don't think they're going to buy him out if this fool is saying like, you know, he's owed like 23 and a half million and, and the bulls are like, okay, we're going to give you 14. Clearly he's not going to accept that because he would rather get the extra like 10 million almost Mm -hmm. and just sit on the bench or, you know, whatever, not even be it mentally there. But on the other hand, the bulls are not going to pay this guy, you know, near 23.5 and then just let him go anywhere he wants. You know, it's like, if we're going to pay you that much, you better wear the Jersey and play in the games, you know? So, I think the thing that makes the most sense for both parties is to affect a trade. And I have to think, you know, there's not a lot of teams that could trade for Dwayne Wade and like potentially give something back. And the Lakers could, you know, you ran through some possibilities. Uh, Clarkson, it would have to be Clarkson and like Corey Brewer. So that's like, you know, you get um, uh, expiring contract and Corey Brewer, but you also get, a young guard on a decent contract you can control. Or if we're going to try to pin, uh, pin them with like a dang salary dump, maybe you include Julius Randall in a pick or just Julius Randall. And that's the hard thing to figure out is like, where is each side starting? Like what do the Lakers think is reasonable to do something like this? What do the Bulls think is reasonable to do something like this? Because one thing to always keep in mind with these types of rumors of, oh, well, the Lakers would be interested in, and are interested in getting Wade. It's like, okay, well, yeah, are you interested if it's a dang for Wade straight up? Then, yeah, anybody would be interested in that. You know what I mean? So it's like, where do the where does each side lie on the spectrum? And where can they possibly meet in the middle um, if they actually do want to get something done? So I don't think it's impossible. I think it's possible, very possible. And I think of any team for Wade to move to, we make we make a, a good amount of sense. And for any team for Luau Dang to go to, the Chicago Bulls make a ton of sense because he's from exactly. there and they remember that his legacy and they will need some sort of veteran there to help all of their young guys out anyways. So hopefully, maybe something like that could happen. I do think if Wade comes here, that KCP is coming off the bench. I don't think there's, even though the, the contract oh, disparity really? might be there, I think Wade's going to start like 100%. It's Dwayne okay. Wade, you know? It's Dwayne Wade. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, that is a tricky situation. I do think though, it's like, even just in terms of balance, um, roster balance, I think the coaching staff and look, I don't know, like Dwayne Wade, where is he mentally at this stage in his career? Like he's 35 years old. This is his last big contract, um, year that he'll ever have. He's never going to get paid more than 23 and a half million for the rest of his career for a single (laughs) year. Who knows, dude? Like, in my opinion, maybe he's just actually was being serious and was like, yeah, look, I'm willing to come off the bench. And if the coaching staff can sell him, like, we're starting Lonzo Ball, we're starting Brandon Ingram because those are our two young guys. We're starting Julius Randle because he's our best power forward. We're starting Brooke Lopez because he's our best center. We have a good amount of scoring in the starting lineup. Why don't you come off the bench and come in for KCP? And, you know, when you're on the floor, you're like the – the main ball handling guard and 
you could run the offense, you can get whatever shots you want, and you can kind of lead the second unit. And I don't know, maybe he would buy into something like that. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, if he's on board for that, I am too. All right, so let's transition from the KCP talk to, quickly, I just wanted to give my thoughts on, I don't know if you listened to the Luke Walton interview on The Low Post. Did you listen to that interview? I didn't get a chance to. No. Okay, I think you've seen some of the headlines and like some of the main topics they covered though, but uh, just quick summary, you know, Luke Walton actually gave his thoughts on the D'Angelo Russell trade and Honestly, it sounded like he did not seem he was on board. He like left a huge kind of pause in between and then proceeded to kind of say some very complimentary things about D'Angelo and said that he even called him immediately after to let him know that, hey, man, this is nothing personal. He hopes he becomes an all-star. And he actually thought that D'Angelo was going to be a very big component to the Lakers' future, as did all of us here. And he hopes that D'Angelo kicks kicks our butts in the future. So for me... That goes in direct opposition, obviously, to what Magic's been putting out there in terms of he wanted a guy um, in Lons, a guy who players wanted to be around, a guy who had better leadership skills, and even today, just saying stuff or not saying stuff, but saying that he he's kind of moved on from D'Angelo, he doesn't regret anything, which is what he should say. But I think for right. me, at least, I think it's apparent that this wasn't like. Obviously, I think Luke gave his blessing, but I think there was some sort of divide here, mainly between Magic, who's one of Byron Scott's closest friends, and, you know, Scott's disdain for D'Lo may have colored the final decision in at least a very small way, versus Luke and the staff that actually worked closely with D'Angelo Russell and still applied him the proper context and perspective that we have the last two years and really still saw the promise that we have. So... I just think, yeah, that maybe that divide existed, but at the end of the day, Magic and Palinka probably sold Luke on, hey, this is the plan we're moving forward with. And yeah, it, it's unfortunately a necessary evil right now to use D'Angelo Russell as this sacrificial goat to get out of this Mozgov deal. And I think that's what ended up happening. And I think um, the one thing that we should take away from this is that clearly, clearly now for sure, the quote-unquote toxic influence and culture and the rest of the team that D'Angelo supposedly had that people were saying, well, we don't really know the whole story. I think that was overblown now that all of this is coming out. Yeah. And this was 90% or 95% a clearing cap space deal. 100%. To get out ahead of this LeBron James stuff. And then even D'Angelo's undervaluement was overstated in my opinion because now we hear at least five different teams called magic about d'angelo you know they probably just picked the deal that also included us sending mozgov their way so i don't know if you had any other thoughts on that pretty much agree with everything you said i think the initial reaction to the trade when it happened without any of this context and any of this this was like pre paul george lebron potential superstar pairing hype right so the initial reaction i think was besides anger, which is what we had, was uh, to try to rationalize it, right? And the one way to rationalize it or attempt to rationalize it is to say, oh, well, there must be something we don't know. D'Lo must have had some serious off-court issues in the locker room and maybe the coaches knew about it. So we were already heading away from that as we started to understand the real reasons. You know, you and I talked about all the salary cap reasons to, down to the, you know, million of a dollar, uh, million dollars, I should say. And, um, and we went through everything and then it started to become more and more clear that, okay, there's probably something else going on. And like you said, I think this, it just confirms that this was a salary dump move, nothing else. Um, it makes me feel slightly better about the trade. You know what I mean? Because it's like, sure. they clearly knew they were giving away a good player, but 
it's like you said, he was a sacrifice. It was just like a sacrifice. So it, it is what it is. And we have to just look back and hope that, yeah, I mean, we have, we're going to know that D'Angelo is going to be a good player, especially in that conference. Um, he could be an all-star like in the very near future. Um, but it's just, it is what it is. We had to do it. So. Yeah, I just wanted to bring one other point up in terms of like kind of revisionist history looking back on this trade because I think that the team has played so well under Alonzo Ball and, you know, we're, we fully embrace this new core. We see just the culture change. And, you know, part of us still even more so thinks, man, D'Angelo Russell would have looked so bomb in this offense throwing the same sort of, you know, passes Alonzo Ball's throwing and maybe even starts to control himself better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think I don't want to also over repaint that picture in terms of some fans saying like oh yeah this was a great trade from the beginning because of this this and this and i think something that people are throwing out there is the fact that cal kuzma man number 27 pick that happened from the d'angelo russell trade etc etc and on the surface yeah that's definitely true but i want to scale it back a little and say if we wanted cal kuzma he probably would have been there at number 28, like almost 100%. So if we really yeah. wanted him, it wasn't contingent on making this deal so that we could get Kyle Kuzma, you know, because it's clear we had our radar on him. We had our radar squarely on him and we were going to pick him no matter what. And if it came down to keeping the 28th pick instead of flipping it for the 30th or 42nd, we probably would have done that pick Kyle Kuzma. D'Angelo Russell would still be here and maybe we would have gone forth with the full trust the process one max plan instead of the two max plan where we build around D'Angelo, Lonzo, Ingram, Randall, Clarkson, etc., and then are content with only getting like a Paul George instead of a Paul George and LeBron James. So I think there's still a faction of fans that obviously would have preferred that outcome. I think we do too. You know, we, we envision a, a, an alternate timeline where we just see all the young guys like mesh, right? And become the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we, right. we just use the one max cap space for like the last missing piece instead of, oh, we need to build this super team all of a sudden. But like we said, we understand the plan now. We have a per, we have seemingly a perfect balance of young guys still, especially with the rise of Kuzma while also being able to build a super team should that align. So anything else, Ed? Uh No, that's it. Cool. Okay, so lastly, before we get into Summer League, your thoughts on Summer League. So like I mentioned, Magic said we're looking to sign a backup point guard. I guess I just wanted to ask you, who are your preferences and who are our final candidates at this point? The Lakers have the room exception of about $4 million to use now that they're over the cap, or I guess they're going to be after they sign Thomas Bryant. And they can either split that up or use that, exception on a one player and then maybe even sign another guy to the vet minimum so you know magic keeps throwing out two guys so maybe we are going to sign two guys um i'll just run through the list here ian clark would obviously be, be a main candidate and that doesn't preclude us from also signing a veteran point guard which magic has been alluding to so maybe we could get ian clark plus insert vet dude here especially if we do plan on trading jordan clarkson which seems to be the the secret plan here or not even not so secret plan but yeah, barring the Ian Clark signing, I think this is how my ranking of guys still available go. Uh, number one, I'd probably go Norris Cole. Then I'd go Ramon Sessions. Um, number three, Deron Williams, because his history with, with uh, Brooke Lopez, and maybe he, he is ready to just kind of settle down and become a mentor, and then in a pinch start if someone gets injured. And, you know, last season with Dallas, he started an average 14-6. and six. Um, after that, I got Randy Foy. He's more of a shooting guard, combo guard, yeah. but I think that's fine. We could still sign someone else on top of him. Uh, and then Brandon Jennings. 
Uh, Grievous Vasquez, I don't know how healthy this dude is, but he would be solid. He's not that fast and quick, which is, I guess, my main concern. I just, since I just hate Grievous. I, I know you do. I don't know what it is. I mean, <laughs> besides him not being that good, it's... <laughs> I really should not dislike him as much as I do. He's really not that bad, but yeah. And I guess uh, Caruso does mainly the same things he does, like a big tall guard that can do that. So I keep forgetting we have Caruso. Yeah, which and helps. then we got Aaron Brooks. He's a fast dude. If we want uh, to keep that pace going that Lonzo Ball likes to create, Beno Udri, Shelvin Mack. I mean, pretty much the end of this list is like I just threw them out there. Not necessarily people I I want, but um, I guess who would be at the top of your list of quote unquote vet guys. Uh, top of my list is still Ian Clark. Um, he can do everything we want to do with a backup point guard. You know what I mean? He defends yeah. pretty well. He shoots threes very well. He's used to playing in this kind of system. We could even offer him like, definitely offer him, especially if we're, like you said, the not so secret plan to trade Clarkson. We can, def- we can offer him way more minutes than he got in Golden State, which if he takes a one year deal, I think is going to be very, very important to him. Uh, for getting a longer-term contract next summer. Uh, beyond that, like you said, I really like Norris Cole. He's not that good, right? Like, he, he clearly <laughs> he showed, like, in Miami that he had a couple of good seasons and played well in the playoffs, and that kind of experience I think is good to have around. But he's a very, like, flawed player. I don't know what happened to him after he left Miami because it seems like he just completely lost all ability to shoot. Um, yeah. But he plays tough defense, um, or at least he did play tough defense. And he's I'm scrappy. Sure he still does. He's scrappy, and he used to be able to shoot. And you know, we don't know if that's completely gone. I mean, it was yeah. I'm looking at, like in the thirteen fourteen season. He, I guess, this was a while ago at this point, but he shot thirty five percent, and he shot thirty six percent the year before, but. If he can just be a guard to come in for 15 minutes a game and play some defense, I think that's that would be pretty solid for us. Uh, and yeah, beyond that, they're all about the same to me. I guess I lean. Uh, you've kind of I've kind of come around to Darren Williams a little bit. I didn't really want him at first, but maybe I'd put Darren Williams as my third guy. Yeah, I think it's all about mentality, right? Because they're definitely going to vet these guys pretty thoroughly. Yeah. And if the guy's like, hey, man, I'm ready to just kind of play back up then you've obviously embraced that especially because we've we've talked about guys like rondo and even even wade you know so and that was always my issue with darren williams because i was like is this guy actually going to come in here and be willing to accept a mentorship role i have no doubts that you know i don't know what kind of offers he's getting so i have no doubts that he if assuming he's not really getting anything serious he would have no problem going and being a backup point guard because i'm pretty sure that's all that's left is backup Mm -hmm. point guard roles so and most teams don't even need a backup point guard at this stage so i am sure he would be willing to accept the backup point guard role my issue is always is he going to accept like a mentorship type role where he actually tries to help our young guards or is he just going to view this as i'm getting older you know i'm 33 this is like i couldn't get a contract on a ring chasing team so here i am with the lakers just like enjoying la for a year as i pass through and i'll be in a different team next year you know what i mean like yeah i don't care if his if he's thinking in his mind like oh yeah well i might be in a different team next year i have no problems with that but i do have a problem with um if he's going to just going to come here and just like coast through the year and be lazy and not play defense because the whole point of signing like an older vet would be to be a good role model not just like to have a body. If you just want a body, why not just sign a younger guy with upside? But it would it's just to have somebody who's a good role model and if he's not 
you know, behaving like he should be behaving, then it defeats the purpose, kind of. Yeah, but I guess my argument to that is the same would have been said for guys like Rondo, and now we hear even Derek Rose, right? So if there was anybody who could do it outside of those three, it'd be probably Deron Williams, who understands his own mortality at this point, you know, always being injured and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I think that's why I throw Deron Williams out there, and obviously because he has previous chemistry with Brooke Lopez and that familiarity. Um, with that said, what about the Derek Rose thing? I think it's a moot point, in my opinion. We've, we're hearing rumors that maybe... He's going to meet with the Lakers. I don't, I mean, he sounds enticing and exciting. And like we've talked about before, great 2K edition, you know, just for fun. He could definitely push the ball off the bench, but that's a huge if once again, off the bench. I don't think he fits either the mentality or the scheme of our offense. So your thoughts on Derek Rose? Yeah, pretty much the same thing you said. I would gladly take him. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But there are so many contingencies that would have to, like, work out perfectly for it to make sense for either party. Because Derrick Rose, I don't think, you know, I I feel like there were some rumors that he was talking to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think they still need a point guard. Um, So that always made the most sense to me, because I this guy has come off the bench one game in his entire career. Uh, and that's including post all the injuries and everything. He's just like, that's who he is. He's a starter. And I just don't think at 28 years old playing for his NBA future, you're going to convince them to be like, Oh yeah. I mean, look, we can only guarantee you 15 minutes a game, but, uh, you could play off the bench for us. So for that reason, I don't really think it makes sense from his perspective. And then from our perspective, like getting him to buy into what we're trying to build here and getting him to be like, you know, he's only 20, I say only 28 because he hasn't played that many full seasons because of his injuries. So he's still like, in terms of basketball miles, if you want to calculate it that way, he's a pretty young player in in a lot of ways. So I can't see this guy just being like, oh yeah, well you have, you know, I was the MVP of the league four years ago and I'm still only 28, but now you have this new hotshot young point guard. So, but I'm totally cool with you just playing him and I'll just, I understand my role. Like I I just don't see that actually working. So I would be so nervous. Um, I would be kind of mildly intrigued and excited, but also really, really nervous if we signed Derek Rose, because I'd be like, how in the heck are we just, are we going to manage these types of players? Like, you know, I guess a lot of teams are running two point guards now and, I, I I don't know. I don't know if we'll see if, I mean, we don't know still if that Derrick Rose thing is real. This was just, I don't know how much you we alluded to it for people who aren't aware. It was just some random like Twitter rumor that just sort of popped up today. Um, as far as I'm concerned, or maybe last night, but, uh, we don't know if how real those are. And if they are real though, I'm just surprised that both, well, I'm not surprised the Lakers are going through with it, but I'm surprised that Derrick Rose is, is going through with it. So it's a little a little intriguing. Yeah, agree. I'm on the same page. Um, lastly, with regards to this free agency thing, there are other guys who are not in the guard role that could be potentially enticing, especially because, like I said, we may end up just signing two guys and splitting that up or giving $4 million to one through the exception and then signing a vet minimum. So... Gerald Green, KJ McDaniels, Anthony Morrow, any of those guys interest you if we could nab one of them plus then just use the veteran minimum on a guy like Brandon Jennings because there's really no money left at this point. Not really. I Gerald just, Green? I just, no, not really. Just because of the glut we have at so many positions and we're trying to work in these young guys and like 
for example, I would like this season, I would rather just give any minutes we would give to Gerald Green. I would rather just give to um, Kuz. uh, Kuzma or, you know, at the three spot or at the two spot, Josh Hart, you know, so that's why I'm not I'm not super into that. Cool. I agree. All right. With that said, let's get on to our summer league wrap up thoughts right after the turn. Uh, you know, I'm just do it. This, this, and, and it's all. all right. So summer league champion Lakers. Hey, the Lakers won hey. six straight games as the lowest hey, seed. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> um, the Lakers won six straight games as the lowest seed to win the championship, which really doesn't mean anything, but I guess it's cool to say as the 15th seed. <laughs> Through their last five games, pretty much since Lonzo Ball came back from his little groin injury, the Lakers scored 110, 105, 115, 94, 103 Ooh. to average Ooh. 105.4 points in the playoff run in 40-minute games. So pretty incredible. Fast pace, fast scoring. That's Alonzo Ball-led team, y'all. Um, Lakers were 6-2 and two overall, and they were still running and gunning and scoring till the very end. Obviously, we caveat everything with, uh, quote-unquote, it's just Summer League, but the following notes and facts surely aren't bad indicators as well. So let's start with Lonzo Ball, your Summer League MVP all throughout, even with that horrible, horrible first outing, which is incredible. Now that seems like that bust game seems like five years ago, right? right. Before I get your thoughts, some Lonzo Ball stats and tidbits. He was obviously named to the Summer League first team along with Dennis Smith Jr., John Collins, Josh Jackson, Caleb Swanigan. I would venture to argue that Kyle Kuzma should take Swanigan's place after beating him in the finals, but whatever. Lonzo Ball averaged overall 16.3 points, 9.3 assists, 7.7 rebounds, 2.5 steals, 1 block, and 1.7 threes. Lonzo Ball had three straight games with 10 assists. Is that right? Or maybe it's two. Anyways, no other rookie in Las Vegas Summer League history has ever had more than one. And Ball's 9.3 assists per game obviously is the most ever in Vegas Summer League. Only two triple doubles were ever recorded in Summer League, and both of those belong to Lonzo Ball. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah, what are, what are your thoughts since you haven't really been able to give your impressions on Lonzo Ball and the Summer League team as a whole? Uh, I thought Summer League was awesome. This year, it's like the first time. It's funny because like every year, or for the last three years or so, we got we would get excited every year, and we would look at our roster, and you know we've had a lot of picks in the last few years, so we've been like, oh man, our team is stacked. Like, there's no way we should lose. We're throwing out like D'Angelo Russell, uh, Anthony Brown, like Larry Nance <laughs> Jr., um, Brandon Ingram. How are we gonna lose? And then we go like one and three, you know? So yeah, it's. It's been like a lot of ups and downs and we've been, I think, caught in a lot of situations where we had to sort of defend ourselves, you know, or felt like a little bit defensive of how the guys were playing. And so it's just nice to see the team go out there and play so well and just like justify this new brand of basketball that they're trying to play. And I know it's summer league and I know blah, 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 all the usual caveats. And I'm not saying, you know, because we won the summer league championship that means we're going to be so much better than we were last year. I'm just saying that like it's it's positive energy and that's what the Lakers need at at some level because so much has been so negative for the past few years. Yeah, I agree. So, what are your thoughts on Alonzo Ball in general being able to see his ebb and flow from the bust game to slowly regaining form with the low end triple double and then busting out and then from there just kind of finding a groove. I think for me, I realized 
even without his offense turning the corner yet, it's going to be a, a obviously work in progress, work in process. But I, I am surprised that I can legitimately say he's a lead guard. You know, we were talking so yeah. much about how he'd be oh like a, God, yeah. you know, he'd just kind of be like a shooting guard on the next level because he can cut, he can shoot, etc. But those things actually haven't been in play because he hasn't had another ball handler with him outside of Caruso. And actually, I like when both of them are on the floor at the same time. Yeah, it's actually really fun, yeah. But yeah, that's besides the point because most of the time he's been the lead ball guard. And it's crazy because even without not really being able to finish at like an elite level, he's still able to put pressure on the defense at this stage. Yep. And, you know, when you compare him to a guy like Ricky Rubio, who gets all these assists and you're like, well, that guy's never going to drive. At the very least, Lonzo Ball drives the ball and is at least a threat to drive, at least gives the defense the idea that he's coming, which Ricky Rubio doesn't really do, right? So, and then all when right. he actually gets in the lane and he ventures into the lane, a lot of times he ends up doing that sleight of hand, no look, shovel pass stuff to the bigs and getting them wide open layups and stuff. So, Imagine when he can actually make layups and finish those plays, you know, on his own and je- and then actually leverages his passing ability, which he's already doing now, but leverages that to actually finish on his own. So I think that's why I'm so encouraged, like his his finishing, his pick and roll play, his like his off the dribble shoot my own shot play is still a work in progress. And even his three point mm-hmm. shot is still a work in progress. But the fact that he was able to go out here, almost average a triple double, get summer league MVP, have everybody all of a sudden who was doubting him after one game be on board. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about Lakers fans, but like the media that was doubting him, like you said, it justified and validated a lot. And it's just good to be on like the correct side of history for now, you know? So yeah, yeah your thoughts on Lonzo ball. Lonzo ball has just, I was, as everybody who listens uh, to to the show knows, I was extremely lit on Lonzo Ball before <laughs> we drafted him, and I was like trying really hard, to, almost to get not too excited. Um, you were like listening to his like rap videos like every day. I was just constantly spamming you guys with his Free Smoke uh, <laughs> remix, and I was just like, I was so high on this guy and so excited. And after the first game, I was like, Oh God, no! What what's happened? <laughs> And I was, I was like, so I'm so fatigued from so many years of having to defend our rookies that I just wasn't even willing to do it. And I was just like, whatever. Yeah, clearly he's got a long way to go. So hopefully his (laughs) passing, hopefully his passing could just get on point soon. And then the summer league progressed and he got so good. Like we have not, we've had high picks the last several years. The performances that this guy was after his first, um, yeah, after just his first game, the performances that he were he was consistently able to put together were just so mind blowing, and the fact that he was able to come in here, as I mentioned before, on a like team of mercenaries all like acting for themselves and trying to you know find their spot on an NBA roster and get them all to play in the system. Vander Blue has been on our summer league team. I feel like for the last twenty five years, you know, it's like every year Vander Blue is on the summer league team and. I've never seen Vander Blue pass the ball ever to to a teammate, and he recorded five assists in a game. And I can't help but think that's the Lonzo Ball effect. The way this guy, so many things that we thought about this guy ended up being incorrect. Like, for example, I was just as nervous as anybody else. I was like, okay, this guy is not going to be able to run an NBA offense in the half court, so we just have to use him as like a transition drone. And then when he gets stuck in the half court, Hopefully we are able to sign a second guard 
uh, who can handle the ball too, or like maybe we have to run George. You know, that's why we were all like so excited about George Hill because we were like, oh, thank God somebody to take the ball out of Lonzo's hands. Now I'm like, no, 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 put the ball in Lonzo's hands because if he has it, first of all, he never holds it. He gets rid of it so quickly, like at yeah. all times. He's never, he's not a high usage like assist, like solo assist guy. And for that reason, maybe his assists, but the crazy thing about that is despite that, he still might be in the top 10 in the NBA. And I mean, definitely I'd say top 10, but maybe even in the top five as a rookie in the NBA and assists. Yeah. Because even though he doesn't hold the ball that long, you know, his, his usage is not going to be as high as a lot of other guys. He is making so many good passes over the course of a game that he still somehow ends up with 10 assists by the end. You know, it's yeah. like, he look at the box score at the end and he has 10, 12 assists and you're like, wow, it did not look like he forced any of those, you know, it's just insane. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm just so excited every game. It's, it's almost like what I don't want to be this extreme, but I'm going to for a second. <laughs> it's almost like when you were, we were watching young Kobe or like young, I mean, to make it less extreme than that, like young Andrew Bynum, you know what I mean? Yeah, Growing sure. up in front of our eyes. And there was that period like in 2008 where Andrew Bynum um, just started going off and was becoming like the best young center in the NBA right before our eyes. And it was every single game. You just couldn't miss it because you're like, what's Bynum going to do tonight? You know, one game he'd have like a 20 rebounds and one game he'd have like seven blocks. And it was just like so exciting. And that's how I sort of feel like Lonzo now. Like it doesn't matter what's who they're playing, how the team is doing. I'm just going to be excited to watch Lonzo play every game. Yeah, and, you know, we never really understood what it meant when people were saying he just changes the culture and the landscape of a team, oh, their yeah, offense, so etc. And then you actually see it in play, and yes, it's just Summer League, but you got these guys saying, even when Lonzo Ball doesn't play, we feel his presence still on the court, leading us on. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is like Luke, yeah. Luke Skywalker-type stuff. That is, <laughs> his like Jedi presence is with them, allowing them to pass better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you kind of see that happen, right? Everybody adopts this right. mentality. Everybody's looking for the best shot, because they know they're going to get the ball back no matter what. And yeah, it's been contagious. It's been fun to watch. And again... This is not the fully formed version of Lonzo Ball. We haven't gotten the I get hot from three game yet. We haven't got, you know, I, I learn how to absorb the contact and get free throw shots, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm very encouraged that even at the baseline level, you have like a, a transcendent superstar role player at the very you least do, who, can, who can lead your team. And the passing really is transcendent. Like that, I thought, you know, with Palenka, you never know. Am I getting the fluff? What am I getting here? So. It's transcendent, dude. Like, we don't have a – what you know, there's one player every five or more – way more years even comes along who can pass like this. Like, John Wall? Who since John Wall has come out where everybody was so hyped on his passing? And I think Lonzo's a better passer than John Wall even, or, or could be, you know? Well, it's different because John Wall pounds the rock. There's so many, like, passing exactly. point guys that so pound the rock. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like we've, it's almost like we have never seen a player like this. Like people say Jason Kidd, and I think the Jason Kidd comp is very fair, but I almost think Lonzo's vision is, is better than Kidd. You know, Kidd was, um, he was a guy who had really good vision, but he also relied a lot on his strength in a different era. Um, to like muscle his way into the paint and kick it out. And, and he made very good plays and he made a lot of highlight plays and he was, he's a hall of fame point guard, 
But and I'm not trying to say Lonzo's going to be better than him. I just even think it's different than him. Um, mm-hmm. It's like this super unique style of of just getting rid of the ball and always making the right play. It doesn't matter if you're going to get the stat or not. It's about winning the game. And and he just it's like every it's almost a little bit. I was talking to my cousin about it. It's random dropping my cousin in here, but I was talking <laughs> to him about it um, because he is. Uh, He's just like a general. He's not a Lakers fan, so I think that's helpful to get an outside perspective. Um, and he watched the summer league with Lonzo Ball, and he was just like, "We both talked about it. And we were like, yeah, it's almost like scary in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm watching a horror movie sometimes because how is everything? He is like so perfect and uh, with everything. Like that play against Philadelphia, which. I hopefully other people are paying attention to because this is one of the best plays I've ever seen in my life. Like in any in, in any game, he catches a rebound off like a missed long jumper, and without putting the ball down, just spins his upper body yep. and fires a one handed pass full court to a guy sprinting down the floor with a defender right behind him, Kuzma, and he catch Kuzma catches it and dunks it perfectly in motion. That is like not natural. And he just has, he does it, no reaction, continue playing. And that was like the most insane thing I've like ever seen, dude. It was that kind of thing is going to be really, really exciting to uh, continue watching. Yeah, man. It's transcendent and sublime. Sublime passing. There's another good SAT word. And I would actually compare his passing to uh, his teammate next year, LeBron James. Because it's, it's the same it, sort of play, you know? LeBron James is always, his biggest fault was, why does this guy pass the ball so much, you know? Exactly. It, it's, it is similar in a lot of ways. I think that's a really good point. Um, uh, he hits guys perfectly in motion. I mean, there was even a pass in that last game that he played in, and Van Gundy commented, and I'm blanking on who he played, Dallas. Um, Van Gundy even commented during the game, his, like... Post entry passes are just beautiful. Like when he <laughs> Zubat sealed or didn't even really seal his man, but he had pretty good low post position. And Lonzo hits him exactly on the hand, exactly in motion to where he can like spin and immediately flip up the shot, like in five seconds so the defense can't react. Like that kind of thing isn't natural. Yep. Agree. Uh, so yeah, Lonzo Ball, everybody, well-deserved Summer League MVP. We're lit for Lonzo. Can't wait for the season to start and preseason to start. Watch him play with actual NBA players who can catch these passes and convert. Oh my god. I mean, just imagine the possibilities with a guy like Brooke Lopez who can finish all these weird layups and then hit threes, etc., etc. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see him transform this team. And, you know, we were hoping and banking for 33, 35 wins. I think we can now shift that up a bit and go 35, 40, hopefully, if everything strikes out right, especially now with KCP. So, I mean, we're seeing firsthand how one guy can kind of change the dynamic of your entire team. And like people has, have been saying, you you just plug in better players next to Lonzo Ball and it makes him look even better. Because when if you put in a LeBron James and a Paul George, they don't have to worry about getting shine taken off them or anything else. You know, it'll actually make their lives easier. So right. lots of stuff to be excited about. Um, how about the underrated guy of this summer, not only from Lakers fans perspective, but 
everybody in the draft and college basketball in general. Because if you remember our reactions when this guy got drafted at number 27 and guys like Semi Ojale were still on the board and Derek White, we were like, Kyle Huzma? <laughs> um, but now everybody knows this guy's freaking name and I want to give us some credit, man. You know, after we actually got over the fact that we had no idea who this guy was, once we studied the tape, we immediately jumped to, and maybe it was unfair to, but we were like, Hey, is this the Julius Randall replacement? Because he looks like a guy, even with the low mediocre three point percentage, who looks like he has all the tangible fundamental skills to be the type of player you'd want, almost like a fusion of Larry Nance and Julius Randle in one, because the basic foundation of a jump shot's there, the basic foundation of getting the rebound and dribbling dribbling it up the court is there, the handles, the passing. I mean, this is the prototypical kind of power forward stretch four you'd want. And so I was, I'm going to give us credit for kind of getting out ahead of it after watching more of his tape and like putting that out there. And, you know, early on, I even said I was being half facetious and I was like, you know, this guy reminds me of a poor man's Ben Simmons, but shoot, he can shoot better than Ben Simmons. He can't pass as well, but he is approximating some of that same skill that made Ben Simmons a number one prospect. And, I'm very excited with Kyle Kuzma. Some stats, obviously Summer League Finals MVP. He made the second team, probably should have been first team, whatever. His last game to win the Finals MVP, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 6 of 10 from 3. Final averages, 22 points, 6.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists on 51% shooting, 48% shooting from 3, 24 for 50 overall. He only hit 27 his entire junior year at Utah, by the way, which is a career high. So fast trajectory of progress here for Kuzma. And like he said, this is no longer just a small sample size sort of thing. He ended his junior year pretty hot from three. And if you extend that to the draft combine this summer and what he did at Summer League, you know, you're looking at a good 10 to 15 or more game sample size of him just being a knockdown shooter. And it's been really impressive to see him let that ball fly right out of his hands, almost like he's a seasoned shooting wing you know um and then overall he scored the most total points of any player in summer league and i am just so excited at at kyle kuzma even kevin durant's tweeting him about you know you can call me whatever you want as long as you call me an mvp and a champion kd's like word and i'm like what is going on here but anyways props to kyle kuzma you know kuz control tommy what what have your thoughts been on on the kyle kuzma show even though even when he made his 30 point explosion we're like oh that's cool he's a guy who can do something and then he just went on a tear consistent tear after that uh yeah kyle kuzma has just been shocking shockingly good um we all were like who the heck like you said we were all like who the heck is this guy and the only thing the only caveat we were leaving there was okay well we did take Larry Nance at this exact same position, number 27, and we said the same thing. So maybe we should let the front office have a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And we ended up being right about Larry Nance. That was a great pick for where he was selected in the draft. And Kuzma seems like it's going to be the same thing. Like there, I think we're going to look back, in not even in five years, in, in like a year or two, and say, wow, there were a lot, a lot of teams that passed on this guy in, you know, the 15 to 26 range. So we got a very, very good player. And look, this is something I've raised to you. And um, I I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before, but basically 
the summer league, there's a problem or like there's this phenomenon in the summer league where like, oh, if a guy who's supposed to be good does well, we're all like, oh my God, he's the best ever. But if a guy who doesn't do well or wasn't supposed to do good does well, sometimes we do that. And sometimes we're like, oh, well, it's just summer league. It doesn't matter. He's not going to be able to do it during the season, you know? And for some reason, the the good, the, the players who are supposed to be good, they don't get that same criticism a lot of the time. So anyway, I think that applies to Kuzma, wherein a lot of people are sitting here thinking, okay, well, let's see. I don't know how this is going to translate. Like, maybe he won't be as good in the NBA. And I think that's totally fair. But I think he did so many things and showed so much versatility in the summer league that what exactly is not going to translate? His handles, he can handle the ball. For that position, that's going to translate because it's not like power forwards are going to be defending this guy in the perimeter with those handles. It's sort of like a similar to Julius Randle, like you said. And he has really good ball uh, body control in the paint. That's going to translate. He has really good passing. The passing is definitely going to translate. He was scoring very well in the summer league. And yeah, it's, some cases you have to look out for certain things like was he taking a ton of uncontested, you know, spot up jumpers and layups because if those he was doing getting all of his offense or 90% of his offense from those two things, you could say okay, well yeah, he's good in summer league but he's one dimensional and for those reasons he might not be as good in the NBA. No, he was scoring off the dribble. He was scoring <laughs> curling around screens. He was scoring in transition. He was scoring in the post. He was scoring in so many different ways. It was insane. So He's a very, very versatile offensive player. This is not just a guy who, oh, well, he's a little bit bigger, so yeah, he could shoot wide-open threes over small defenders. Like, no, 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 he was doing everything. And so I'm pretty confident that this guy's game is going to translate. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited. I feel like we got a big-time steal. I thought Josh Hart was easily going to be our... our um, best player between the three not Lonzo Ball picks we had this year. So the fact that Kyle Kuzma's looked this amazing is, is, is really encouraging. Yeah. And you know, people are saying like, Oh, he's not good on contested jump shots. And I'm like, well, we don't want him to shoot contested off the dribble jump shots anyways. And if you look at all of his threes, a lot of dudes close out on his threes this summer league, but he still hit it anyways because his release was so quick. And I think that was the most impressive part. You know, people are joking and throwing out Clay Thompson and stuff, but the way he was letting it fly, I mean, it was similar to that. 53s is a big sample size for Summer League. It's not like he had a couple games where he hit two or three threes. He had multiple five plus six plus threes. You know, this is not an anomaly. I mean, people might say it's an anomaly, but it you have to think that it'll translate at, at least to, to some positive level in the NBA. And... Yeah, like you said, you know, Alan and I were there for the game where he had 26 points and was kind of like knifing through the lane, throwing tomahawk dunks and stuff and, you know, catching guys off the dribble because they were afraid of his three-point shot and he'd leverage his quick first step and go into the lane and all of a sudden spin move into a reverse spin move into a quick pass to a cutting guy for a layup and I'm like what is going on here and then he'd do the same thing for his own shot you know he'd drive it in quick violent spin move that totally catches the defense off guard and then like lays it in with like amazing touch and you know, I think early on when we were studying his tape, that was one thing that we noticed of him, that he can make these nifty, crafty-looking layups, something that Julius Randle never had in his arsenal, um, because I guess Julius always relied on just bully ball and being able to out-athlete everyone, but 
Kuzma's always been able to do this, these little whirly, whirling dervish scoop layups with a left hand and like these reverse layups. And he's really shown that in summer league, like having a soft touch and being able to finish. And then, like you said, being able to finish off his own dribble, which is really crazy to see and, and noticing that he does have a lot of skill there. And most especially in transition, I think the one thing that I like about Kuzma is he is unrelenting and he's confident in his ability to push the ball in transition, you know? I think we saw some of that of Larry Nance last year in Summer League, but even in the regular season, Larry Nance put the brakes on that and wouldn't do it anymore. But Kuzma, it seems like, hey man, he's conditioned to do this and it's a normal routine for him, which is why you see the Ben Simmons comp. And Exactly. Yeah, he has been a revelation. And I think everybody now, all the draft guys, even guys that we talked to on, on the regular, like Cole Zwicker was like, man, I, I missed on that. You know, I missed on that guy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fair because he was an inconsistent player and it took him a while to really gain his footing at Utah. But at the same time, you just kind of see the Lakers really saw something in him over the, the workouts and at the draft com- combine. They banked that that kind of progress, that quick progress wasn't a facade and that it would last. And, man, is it lasting in a big way. I mean, I'm sure he'll have his bumps and bruises during preseason and whatnot, but you couldn't have asked for a better running mate for Lonzo Ball right now. And also some, you couldn't have asked for a better guy to groom if indeed you do have to say goodbye to Julius Randle or Larry Nance or or both, you know? So I don't know if you had any th- last thoughts on it. Kuzma. No, I think you covered it. Cool. So, I mean, with that said, I think... I mean, that's all I really wanted to cover. I don't know if you want to talk about any of the other guys, but in general, it was like the Lonzo Ball, Cal Kuzma-led show here. Caruso had a great last finals game as well, just further cementing his place uh, with that two-way contract of his that he could be a rotation player for the Lakers down the road. And yeah, we're feeling great. Great vibes to enter the season. We've got one or two signings left to go. But yeah, things are definitely looking up, especially with how precarious this offseason started with the D'Angelo bomb. I think we successfully turned the corner here in a big, big way. And you got to credit Magic and, and Palinka for that. And we just hope that things continue to, to roll this way as well. Um, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because like I said before, the more you rate and review us, the more biblical analogies we'll get from Rob Palinka as he introduces Deron Williams as Moses parting the Red (laughs) Sea. So there you go. All right, Tommy, I will let you go, man. Later. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more 
Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.